0: Hey everybody, I'm Peter and the closer you get, the uglier I get. It's got creepy eyes, it's Mike!
1: Welcome to Rebels, Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode-by-episode episode deep dive into the Star Wars animated series, Rebels.
0: Uh, another tearjerker with this one. Uh, oh,
1: really? Oh, okay.
0: Uh, you didn't find this one? You have no emotions? Oh, sure.
1: No, okay. Yeah, great.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm hesitantly looking forward to this one. But before we do, thank you so much for coming along with us. I'm trying to say this more up front, but please leave us a review on iTunes or share this episode with one of your friends. That is how we are going to grow as a podcast. And it has really helped with us getting some new listeners. You know, we're very DIY. We don't do a lot of advertising. And so if you enjoy this, it really helps if you tell a friend and we appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank you. No, thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you. All right. Well, uh, Pete, Um, Should we just jump into this today? Any news? No, I'm ready. Are you ready, Mike? I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you ready? Pretty ready. Are you feeling more ready than you were a couple seconds ago, or less ready?
0: Uh, About the same.
1: All right, let's jump in then. Let's mix up a quick space refresher and recap what happened in Episode 9 of Season 4, Doom. Governor Price throws a mandatory parade, the best kind, right, (laughs) to celebrate... Very Trumpian. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) To celebrate the Empire's supposed victory of crushing the rebels to cover up the fact that she destroyed the fuel depot, which resulted in the Thai Defender Factory shutting down, but Thrawn is not Mm -hmm. deceived. While Sabine and Zeb depart for Lothal City to spoil that party, Ezra sinks into despair until he is challenged by the Lothwolves and led towards a gigantic Lothwolf named Doom who Mm -hmm. confronts him with his fears and tells him to return to the Lothal Jedi Temple. Sabine and Zeb notice the factories have been shut down and fight Rook in a 2 on one combat. And after beating him unconscious, I mean, almost crushing his skull, they send him, covered in Sabine's graffiti, back to Lothal City to show that the rebels are still around. Hera confronts her own grief by adding a token or Kanan, to her Kalikori, and is told by Sabine and Zeb that Kanan was successful in shutting down the factories, which renews her spirits and belief in their fight. Ezra then returns to tell the team that they need to go to the Jedi Temple and take back the knowledge from Imperial hands. Which brings us to a very brief theme for this episode, which is breathe. Mm-hmm. Like this episode, which is largely an inward and outward breath for the audience to process the loss of Canaan, along with the ghost crew, we watch Ezra and Hera similarly wrestle with and come to terms with the loss of Caleb Doom, a.k.a. Canaan. They have to breathe through this, just like we do in this episode, which is, again, largely for me, a breather episode. You need these moments. Mm-hmm. In this kind of media, when you lose such a big character, you need to give things its due time and process. Yeah. You can't just jump in. So, like this episode and the characters we watch, the theme for this episode is breathe.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's really that's really important. I like the that idea of breathing in and breathing out. Mm. Um, speaking of that, and speaking of grief and how these characters are dealing with it. I read something that I thought was really interesting and I wanted to just bring it to set the stage.
1: Sure. 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 Um,
0: on that TV tropes website I, I talked about last episode, I looked it up and they talked about how there's the trope of the five stages of grief and each character represents one of them. So throughout this episode, Ezra represents denial being unwilling to address his own feelings about Kanan's death example when he first talks to zeb he can't even say Kanan's dead he says he's gone um until the wolves finally push him into dealing with his own feelings and that he's afraid um zeb is anger he's focused on revenge against the empire almost beating rook to death in return for what he did to Kanan. sabine mm-hmm. is bargaining trying to make Kanan's death worth it somehow doing a mission to make Make it all make sense to kind of, okay, if they got Canaan well, we'll get them. Hmm. Hera is depression, seeking deeply into despair and unable to move forward. And Chopper is acceptance, having accepted Canaan's death and pushing Hera to memorialize Canaan, And also trying to take care of others.
1: I hmm. don't know if
0: that was intentional, but I thought thematically that was pretty fun to see throughout this episode. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's in, yeah, who knows if it was intentional, but it's definitely true to the characters' lives. Their reactions felt <laughs> authentically them.
0: Yeah. Well, Which yeah, is, that was the interesting thing, is, like, it. It. a lot of these reactions, some of them were pretty predictable, like, I think, Zep, Zep and Sabine going off to make trouble, like, okay, that yeah. makes sense. Ezra feeling conflicted and not believing in himself, that feels good. The way Hera took it, I think is a new shade of Hera, but it fits in line with her character. I don't think I didn't believe it for any second. Like we've never seen Hera not be able to push through something. Yeah. But it makes total sense. Yeah. Um. Same with chopper. Like, I mean, we've only seen chopper being a psychopath. He, he's like the most caring and loving empathetic character out of all of them in this episode. That point where he, he just walks up and holds Hera's hand, like, moves straight past anyone else, goes straight to Hera and just holds Hera's hand. I thought it was so sweet.
1: Yeah, that was. And
0: she's, he's being, he's being very reasonable. Like, no, it's it's not, the war's not all, wor- not worthless Hera. It's okay. Kanan, like trying to reassure her, like it's his idea to memorialize, uh, Kanan on the Calicori, which I thought was, it's a new shade for Chopper as well, but I, I really liked it. Hmm. Yeah, wow. so it, I it, thought it was very sweet that um, in that moment where they're holding hands, Hera is looking out over the sunset, just like Cannon did in his last moments back at camp.
1: Yeah, that's good. I'm just kind of thinking about Chopper now. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. In other moments of Rebels, have we seen that kind of thoughtfulness from him? Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah, there's some, I have a ton of Dave Filoni quotes for this episode because I think he got interviewed a million times about it because the last two episodes were such, so pivotal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he said that Chopper grieving in this way and being kind of an emotional support (laughs) droid. um, He said, it's super important to me. I've always felt... Chopper has a secret high emotional level. People don't realize sometimes the reason someone is cantankerous or picks on them is because they care a great deal. You start to see the beginning of Chopper's facade break a little bit. And the idea that he would be the one to approach Hera and not know and know not to say anything, but just take her hand was a powerful image. And I thought that was, a, that was just a nice touch
1: yeah I buy that he has a high emotional intelligence I, yeah, which is funny. He can't just be a psychopath <laughs> no yeah
0: yeah um so you mentioned the i'm glad you you touched on this the mandatory parade
1: I love uh, the mandatory parade I, I love I love that being the solution, and it's kind of it. It's funny. It's kind of genius in a way, though, mm-hmm. that she's like, "Oh shit! There's going to be nothing for the, all these workers to do. I need to buy us time to figure this out." Yeah. Throw so, a that. I mean, it's. I don't know. I thought that was genius. Like, oh, that's such a good idea.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a really good idea, and it feels very bureaucratic. It feels very empire, and yeah. you know, even though it's very clear at this point. To everyone, now the rebels and both the Empire, that <laughs> price, you know, screwed the pooch and she yeah. she hurt the Empire Sucker. more than she helped the Empire. Yeah. They're still gonna try to, you know, cover it up and be like, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine. I thought that was it that was a really nice touch.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that just such an epic flub.
0: Yeah, totally. And it, I mean, it got me thinking because we've, we've talked about this a couple of times and they kind of spell it out that this is the end of the TIE Defender program. And yeah, I think it's been set up well enough with what the creators have said, plus how Tarkin reacts to the TIE Defender program. Like, think about, so Tarkin sets up a personal meeting between Thrawn and the empo- Emperor to basically convince the Emperor to... Go with the Tie Defender program instead of Stardust, and if you read in the novels, that makes a lot of sense because he never really likes Krennic. He thinks Krennic yeah. is a buffoon. He thinks his he thinks his Stardust project is a waste of time and money. Um, it seems clear that Thrawn thinks putting all your resources into one weapon is foolish, and I think we both think that they're correct in that. So if we agree with that, this is essentially the end. The yeah. beginning of the end of the empire. Think about if the Tie Defender program actually goes ahead. Like they don't blow up this factory, and all the funds go to the Tie Defender program instead <laughs> of the Death Star. Then the Death Star is never completed. The Rebels yeah. never attack Scarif and get the plans. Leia is never captured. Three PO and R two never end up on Tatooine, and they never run into Luke Skywalker. And Skywalker probably just like chills as a farm boy for the rest of his life. I like. This is this starts an entire chain of events that ultimately ends up in Luke defeating the Empire and yeah. bringing balance to the Force.
1: Yeah, this, this, you're right. This is totally one of those like chain of events yeah. moments. Um, price, flip. <laughs> Played a massive role. She was a she was a link in the chain when you're constructing uh, what led to the Death Star's construction.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think
1: the whole event of Star Wars, I suppose.
0: mm -hmm. And I think it's we need to call out the huge role that Kanan had in the ultimate destruction of the Empire. He was the first domino that that fell. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: It's yeah. It it's it's funny reflecting on. The longer Rogue One has sat with me, the more I, the more I like it. To be honest, interesting. It's become something I've, and it's like, I don't know. It's, uh, it's even kind of moments like this of how it, it ties so well into the universe for me. Unlike other things that don't tie super well, it just does such a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking about it a lot this episode, and I was thinking about the book Catalyst, which was. The Catalyst to Rogue One, the movie. Yeah. Um, which is another, um, which is an amazing book, honestly. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I kind of really love this political drama mm-hmm. side of Star Wars that yeah. this episode has, like, kind of embedded or behind it is like this political drama TV show I want so badly. I guess it's like the West Wing Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, bring it on.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, we were saying like, you know, Kanan started to topple Vampire and, you know, Price had a role in it and things like that. Um, There's a key line in this that I think, to me at least, indicates that I think Kanan deserves a lot of credit is at the very end, Harris says that Kanan always knew the answer and in the most unexpected way. And I think Mm -hmm. that manifests itself in two ways is, first of all, Doom the wolf he's literally a very unexpected way to give ezra an answer um, which we will get to that and then the second thing is you know they didn't expect the tide of defender program to be destroyed but canaan had a hand in that and yeah that was the answer to topple the empire and it was done in a very unexpected way yeah And there was actually you know, we talked about canon sacrifice, how important it was, but I found this other quote from Dave Filoni that I think I just want to shore that up a little bit because I think it it really made an impression on me is he says the most significant actions of Luke Skywalker is to throw away his weapon in return of the Jedi. That is when he becomes a Jedi, not because Mm -hmm. of some power he learns as a Jedi, not because of some way to use the force and his capacity because of his capacity to care about his father and be willing to die for him. That's Hmm. the entire ball game right there. I will lay down my arms. You cannot hurt me. And I think that is showing that Kanan's sacrifice is the ultimate embodiment of his Jedi ideals. And so Hmm. if there was ever any doubt that he was a true Jedi Knight, I think that is another moment where he really just, he just kills it in the Jedi game, man.
1: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he's... Ah, God... I, it's a shame. It's funny as we're watching um, Mandalorian and seeing some, some characters brought to life, like Ahsoka Tano in live mm-hmm. action, I would have loved to have gotten a glimpse of Kane in, in live action. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I think the other big thing we, we can't really circle around anymore is the wolf doom. What did you think about that?
1: Yeah, it's, I hate the way he talks. First of all, <laughs> just, it's he's it, it a wolf, would man. it would it would yeah. Jesus. But if he's gonna Great talk, he's what I'm talking. Yeah, I know. It's just like, oh, that would be the most annoying conversation to have. Like, hey, what do you <laughs> want for dinner? And it would just say something like vague and high level food, <laughs> and you'd be like, okay, yeah, but like, like what do you want? Like <laughs> I- Italian or Chinese? It would be like cuisine. Be like, oh god, da- come on. Uh, and it just—I don't know. I Sorry, it's—it's it, it, just a funny skit you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, this is a bit. This is a this is my comedy bit. I was prepping before this. I love it. Um, no, I—I don't—I—I I don't know. For some reason, I just don't want it to talk. I don't know what that's about. Hmm, interesting. Um, it's—it's it's like it loses some. What would you call that? Some kind of mystique or like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. as is, it's such a weird nitpick of mine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but it's, it's cool. It's really cool. The it's God, it's a gigantic wolf. I don't, I'm trying to even remember how I interpreted this at first. Like, is it Kanan? Is it, is it like a force embodiment of it? Why does it call itself doom? Like it, if mm-hmm. it's not Kanan, it seems offensive that it's someone just died. and It's going <laughs> to take its name. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about it?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think back. I don't remember exactly how I interpreted it at first, which would have been interesting because I've had so much time to think about it now. I mean, I think I vaguely interpret it the same way, um, just that it's essentially a force ghost yeah. of Kanan, but part of the cosmic force, not necessarily yeah. like... It's not necessarily Kanan. It's not like... He'd yeah. be like, Hey, what's up, Ezra? I'm a wolf now. Like, yeah, it's exactly. just the essence of maybe the ideals of, of Kanan and the force is just using that to push Ezra in a, in a a direction. Yeah. Um, But I do, I do think it is a very cool idea, um, especially with, with Ezra's connection to animals. I think it would make sense that the Mm -hmm. force would reach out in the form of an animal instead of, you know, a ghost or something like
1: that. Speaking of which, it was it was a weird why do you think the wolf said like why did you run? Like you ran you ran.
0: Yeah, so that I okay, so that definitely confused me at first. Um I didn't I mean, necessarily like, understand yeah. that.
1: Okay. So, I had some I mean, I haven't dug into it, but is yeah, it just like a meta think, is it just a meta statement about like not like you literally just ran two seconds ago, but <laughs> you're yeah. running from your feelings or running from like th- th- confronting this, or what yeah, is that's it?
0: exactly it. I think, and so in reading, and I got some more quotes about it. I thought that's such an interesting thematic thing that just kind of maybe flew over my head, um, but really works for me. The more I think about it, is. Uh, so Dave Filoni said, you see the consequences of Ezra's actions. He doesn't get the lesson immediately. He doesn't understand what's going on there. And he falls into self-pity and falls into fear. And all those things start to consume him again. The wolves go, whoa, this is what Canaan did for you. And this is what you give back. They get angry. They sniff that yeah. out. The biggest thing the wolves smell on him is fear. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, it works from like a primal thing, like, know, they say, like, animals can smell smell your fear, which I think is kind of fun. But also, you know, we've seen Ezra struggle all the way up until this point with, you know, his own fear. Is he good enough? Can he protect the ones he loves? And it's interesting that he seemed to be making such good progress, and then once Kanan is gone, it reverts. Almost like Ezra doesn't believe that those things are within himself. Somehow that was all tied up to Kanan, and without Kanan, Ezra can't be strong. He can't be brave anymore. And somehow Ezra kind of makes it about him, like, oh, my life sucks now again. You didn't, you didn't help me. You didn't prepare me for this. And the wolves are kind of like, Bro, Katie just sacrificed himself. Stop being a jerk. And they're yeah. p- they're literally pissed at him. Yeah. Which I thought is kind of a fun touch.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. I think yeah. it works really well. And I think it's very subtle. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Totally. This these this whole last, like, these whole last five episodes are so subtle and, yeah. quite frankly, very adult. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. Um, Like, they're uh, if you're of a certain age, I wonder if these are fun at all. Or, like, not fun, but, like, you're just like, what? Yeah, like, I'd be this, interested to hear that. This is so weird. Like, it's so many of the statements, like, that conversation, like, unpacking, like, I don't know, the meaning of these things is... What I love about the show, and at mm-hmm. this point, but also seems pretty high reading level.
0: Yeah, if you if you watch this with your kids for so, and you want to let us know how they react to these episodes, I would love to know how yeah. this worked for a kid for for someone you know twelve or under. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, speaking more about kind of the overarching thing with Bendu, I thought I saw another cool quote, very nerdy quote from Dave Filoni. He's talking just generally about how this is all about Kanan getting to a place where he could help Ezra. Kanan, as the mentor, had to figure it out first. Filoni related Kanan to Gandalf. He explained
1: yeah. a lot of my... Anyone relating anything to Gandalf. Know, I'm like, right? yeah.
0: That's why I was saying it's super nerdy. <laughs> We're getting into Gandalf. So Hell Filoni yeah. said, a lot of my modeling comes from exposure to reading Tolkien. Gandalf is not a complete mentor. He's way more down the path than anyone else, but he's not complete. That is why he's very symbolically gray. He needs to yeah. figure it out along the way and then attain a new level. Kanan also has to attain a new level before his apprentice can attain anything. I love it. Yeah, so I love that this is maybe, you know, the can- his Kanan the white moment where yeah. now he's, he's in a place where he can actually get Ezra across the finish
1: line. It's funny. I, I I wanted to bring that up in the last episode we chatted yeah. about when Kanan cuts his hair. To me, the appearance change even feels like a character upgrade in a video game. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. and it, it feels very much like that coming out as Gandalf the White moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so cool. Uh, um, that's a that's, great quote.
0: Yeah, some more interesting quotes. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw a bunch of quotes because I mean Dave Filoni can say it better than I can.
1: Um, yeah, and he and he. Pretty much wrote, he wrote it, so yeah. it, it is most true.
0: Yeah, and so in talking about what... One thing that I thought was interesting is he does kind of make it clear that Doom is not necessarily, quote-unquote, real in the same way that the Grey Wolves are. So he does say at one point that the Grey Wolves are the only kind of actual wolves, which I thought was interesting. Mm. But he also says, I think this is a subject subjective Question, is that Kanan? I have answers for all that, but I won't say. What I will say is that Doom the Wolf can't exist until Kanan the Jedi is gone. Those two things don't exist at the same time. Doom the Wolf has a lot in common with Bendu as far as what kind of thing they are. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well.
1: What kind of thing they are. I like that.
0: Yeah, and Just a little bit a little the big. scenes thing is he was saying that um, ever since season one, he's been obsessed with this idea of Ezra falling asleep in the, in a field and waking up to see a giant spirit guide talk to him. And originally is going to be a giant loath cat before it was doom. Huh? Which would have been so cute.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say this. They probably took the better direction here.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: That's good though.
0: Yeah. There's like some other interesting things too. Cause I mean, we, we did a deep dive on the cosmic force versus the living force. And so, I think Dave Filoni also makes it kind of clear that, you know, there's this whole philosophy and kind of mythology about the, the living and cosmic force, which we're going to get into more in the next couple episodes. Um, but there's that arc with Yoda and Qui-Gon Jinn trying to figure out like, can you maintain yourself in death? Like, what does it mean to be part of the living force and the cosmic force? How can you become a force ghost? And so this is just one of the ways that it manifests kind of in the mysteries of the force. You know, even though Yoda figured out how to become a force ghost um, and pass that on to Obi-Wan, you know, this is, there's still mysteries in the force. There's still things mm. that haven't been figured out yet. And that's one of the things I like about this And you know, you said it was very subtle. And I think the next couple of episodes are going to be very subtle in some very weird ways. Yeah. And, at a certain point, you just got to kind of like throw your hands up and be like, well, the force is the force. Yeah. It's always mysterious. And I like that. They're not over explaining things. I think that's really great.
1: Yeah. I, I don't want them explained. Mm -hmm. It's just explaining. It's too dangerous for me. It's the chance of it going so South so fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it would be weird if it could be explained too. Yeah.
0: Two cool little Easter eggs um, that from Doom, though, is uh, that symbol on his head. You probably recognize that as the same symbol that Kanan had on his shoulder pad. Um, so hmm. that's kind of a fun little connection. And then this, I don't, I don't know how intentional this is necessarily, but I re- rewatched um, or I saw a screenshot of Kanan's last sacrifice when he regains his sight. And his eyes are a slightly different shade than they were before. And you can see like stars in them. Um, Mm. And when you turn to Hera, you can see stars in her eyes as well. Um, But it's the same shade of eyes that Doom the Wolf has.
1: Interesting. I mean, that's got to just be like connected to the force kind of moment.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, So I like those little touches.
1: Yeah. I like Also, that.
0: the last little Easter egg is that Dave Filoni loves doing this. But if you look up the voice actor of Doom, it is credited as "quote the Force."
1: It'll be, he does love doing that.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming Freddie Prince Jr. did the voice for <laughs> yeah, the Wolf.
1: Yeah, I, I can't imagine SAG is too happy about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go. We're gonna take Dave Filoni into arbitration on Freddie Prince Junior.'s
1: <laughs> so cool. <behalf. laughs> Uh, jokes about lawyers and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe I'll just say that so it was the, the whole eyes thing, I, mm-hmm. I was, it was, I was trying to remember what, there was a book, and I think it was called Billy Bud, and it was, uh, by Herman Melville, who wrote Moby Dick, great, he's super, super cool, I mean, one of the best authors of all time, in my opinion, but mm-hmm. he had this short story, and one of the main character, um, they always referred to him as Welkin died, which was like this kind of Welkin is like this almost quite literally heavenly blue blue. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was this character who in the end was kind of sacrificed for the crew. And uh, it was really interesting, but, um, I'm just kind of trying to tenuously draw a connection here between that and Canaan and this idea of, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Maybe this is a total baloney.
0: Oh, I like that. I wanna get I wanna mention one other thing. I forgot I wanted to talk about this when we were talking about Hera is um how did you like the whole Calicori scene? I found that very touching.
1: Oh it's it, oh, funny. I I I I don't know, I, it's fine. It, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know that's so it's it's just like this. It's funny. It's I'm like, it's fine. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, I thought it was great. I thought it was very touching and I don't want to I don't want to disclose this spoiler, but I think it might have extra significance when you see kind of the end of Rebels, um, one spe- one specific moment about Kanan's role in Hera's family tree.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I love that he gets that place of honor. Um, on her calicory, which is a very, very important symbol yeah. for her.
1: Yeah, I, hmm. I think here's where I'm wrestling. I yeah. don't care so much. This is going to sound so cold-hearted. For <laughs> the the Canaan sacrifice is amazing, and it's an amazing moment. But I think what I like about Rebels is the a lot of the, you know, the the couple next couple of episodes we're gonna watch where it's like World Between Worlds mm-hmm. um of like this force mysticism like larger than life stories and part of the the Canaan loss and sacrifice they're very human stories. Um like this this quite frankly are these are episodes I would never rewatch. Um, like in the Canaan sacrificing his mo- like himself moment, like these kind of very sentimental episodes don't interest me much. Oh, That's um, interesting. And the hum- it's it's weird. Human stories aren't just aren't interesting to me because um, <laughs> you have no heart. Yeah, because I am dead inside. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, so I I'm not as affected. I think as much as some people are. Um and I don't know why that is. Hmm. Just Star Wars doesn't that's not why that's not why I watch Star Wars and what Star Wars is for me. It's escapism. And I think that kind of I find no pleasure in escapism that is overly um emotional or like I don't know. It's weird. You watch, Star Wars, watch <laughs> Star
0: Wars for the laser guns. I watch
1: Star Wars <laughs> for the laser guns. I watch it for the big saddle. I watch it for explosions. I just like explosions. No, I, I, I like, I like spirituality and I like kind of the, the, um, the weird mysticism of the mm-hmm. force. And this is a, these are, I don't know. These are just very human moments, which is cool, but yeah. I have no heart.
0: Oh, that that's fair. I, I like how you, I like how you explain that. I think that you're, you, you hit the nail on the head. This is a very human moment opposed to the mysticism that's going on right now. And, you know it personally worked for me quite yeah. a
1: bit um, and i'm like it's it's cool i'm like this is cool like yeah. i i, I want to be careful that I, i'm not like being like oh this is so sappy i hate it it has <laughs> yeah. emotions but i'm like it, it's cool it was really good once like mm-hmm. the first time i saw it it worked really well um this is probably my third time seeing it and then each time i see it it just it's it's power is diminished because It's not as raw as it was the first time, so I'm no longer interested in revisiting. I'm like, yeah, it was cool that one time, but I don't don't want to revisit it because I'm just like, it doesn't, it's no longer powerful to me.
0: Yeah. Um, I didn't know what this was before, but did you notice what she added to the calicory? I have no idea what that is. That's, it's the corner of his holocron. (laughs) Oh, which I feel like is funny. Like, it's like a sacred you Jedi. You broke his hologram. Yeah, sacred Jedi <laughs> artifact. She's like,
1: Oh, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> huh.
0: Yeah, I thought that was kind of a fun Easter egg, though.
1: That's really funny. Yeah, I was actually... I uh, hit pause for a second, I was like, what is
0: that? Yeah. Hmm.
1: Interesting. A um,
0: couple other Easter eggs I will say, too, is that... Um, Evidently in the scene where Zeb is beating up Ruck,
1: the... Oh, so brutal by the way. I know.
0: That was brutal. That was but that was geez, shocking. Man. Um, and I do... I Before I get to the Easter egginess of it, I actually... I like thematically a couple things that are happening right here is I do think that... I like that Sabine stopped him from murdering him um, but, because, you know, she didn't have to say it, but I think it's very clear. Like Kanan wouldn't have wanted this. Um, like she does say like, that's not how we get revenge or that's not how we get payback or whatever. Um, but I think Kanan's sacrifice made that impression on her. You know, I think they look up to him as a father figure very truly. And I think it would have been disappointing to Kanan if that is how he had ultimately reacted.
1: Yeah. They don't, So let's be clear. Don't murder Rook, but (laughs) set an explosive to kill those two stormtroopers. So when they pull it out, they both die.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, he he disappointed in that moment, but they've learned their (laughs) lesson.
1: Because that was, I mean, the stormtroopers are dead. Yeah, definitely. Let's be let's be honest about that.
0: Yeah, Um, but I like too. The other thing is sending the message to the Empire. Um, Like that's kind of a powerful. You know, they could have killed Rook, but in at one point in the episode, I think, I wrote down the exact quote. Let me see what it was. I think he's, I can't find it, but basically Thrawn says, like, they're going to act recklessly, especially the boy. Like, I thought that was kind of fun, but like, they're going to strike back recklessly. And that's kind of what that would have been. You know, they would have just mm. shown up, blown up the parade, killed a bunch of people, and that would have ultimately hurt their cause. But they're able to see if we do it in the right way, that sends a message that, first of all, the rebels resolve isn't destroyed just because Kanan is gone. They still have the will to fight. And also, they are not as morally depraved as the Empire. and They don't kill unnecessarily, which kind of mm. harkens back to Mon Mothma's argument with Saul Carrera earlier in the season.
1: Yeah, I mean it's true in theory, but they don't fall through with that. Yeah, they kill a lot of people.
0: <laughs> I'm talking thematically, not
1: yeah, I actually. know, I know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so actually, that was the second thing is I really like them sending the message and spray painting Rook and just sending him back to the parade because that yeah, that's humiliating.
1: Yeah, he's out. Of, he's going to be out of work for that guy. I mean, w- it might have been more merciful to kill him because he's never going to find work again. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: He's been so he's been so shamed.
0: Yeah, he's been punked.
1: Wow, majorly punked. Yeah.
0: Um, but the Easter egg is in that moment. The script originally, while Zeb was beating him, was going to say,
1: I have had
0: enough of you, which is a reference to Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, when James T. Kirk has beaten his Klingon op- opponent, Krudge. Mm. Uh, nerd stuff.
1: The crunch is his name.
0: <laughs> I think it's K-R-U-G-E. Oh, okay, of course. It's yeah, totally. Grudge or Kruge. Um, sure. I've seen that movie a bunch of times, but I don't remember how that's pronounced.
1: I've, okay, it's been, it's been a long time since I've seen any Star Trek. I, I want to, sorry, tell a Tangent, I want to watch the new Star Trek. I haven't seen it yet. It's great. You, you watch it. Yeah,
0: yeah because Jonah Marie, um, Jonah Marie got me into Discovery, and it's very Star Trek. So if you don't like Star Trek, be prepared for a lot of math be prepared for a lot of love math ideals and morals saving the day.
1: But if you,
0: if you can rock with that Star Trek concept, then it, it it's really, really good.
1: That's cool. I'm going to have to get into it.
0: Yeah. Um, a reference that did exist though. And I thought this scene was really good. Is when they're looking through the binoculars and rock looks right at him. He's like, Oh, he looked at me. I love um,
1: that.
0: That's a reference to rear window. Um, the Alfred Hitchcock huh. movie. So,
1: Oh, great. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I liked that. I like that. I um, like it.
0: And then I don't have much to say about this right now because we will have a lot to say about it in the next couple of days, but or in the next couple of episodes, but I really liked that Doom told them to restore the past and redeem the future.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a tall order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no big deal.
0: Um, And then... I have only one other thing before I get to it. Is there any other notes you wanted to hit?
1: I, I just love mandatory parades.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, largely this. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it at the end, but this episode is largely, like I said, a, a breather, a, taking a breath and moving from one step to the other. And yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Pro- it was needed. Yeah. Um, but I. I I really like uh, Azadi's push of, like, we don't have time. Like, yeah. I think that's an interesting
0: want, push and pull, yeah. and I like how Hera can't even bring herself to respond, like, which is so out of character for her. Yeah. Um, I thought that really worked for me. Yeah. and I think you're right. Like, this is a breather episode, but I want to be, at least in my opinion, that's different than a filler episode, you know? Yeah, it's,
1: it's not a bridger. It's a breather.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I love that.
1: It's it, it. Yeah. And it very, you need it. Mm. Mm-hmm. You probably would have to put it in the necessary episodes because you would have to be like, wow, they got over that fast.
0: Yeah. How weird would it have been if they had just like bounced the next mission of the week?
1: Yeah. That yeah. wouldn't have worked.
0: So um, I, I, I don't put this in with some of the other Bridger episodes that haven't worked as much for me. This, I think. Yeah. Uh, it was a necessary breath yeah. of fresh it was. air. Um, And then finally, the last little thing thematically that I liked was, as you noticed, the Rebels logo in the beginning of the episode was white and gray with ashes, just like the end of the last episode. Yeah. Probably. Gandalf the White. Yep. Gandalf the White. Um, They're grieving the loss of Kanan. But... If you notice, the normal Rebels logo is at the end of the episode, likely representing the renewed sense of hope felt by the Spectre crew, mm-hmm. which I like wow. that thematically as well. Yeah, I like that. Cool. That's all I had. Did you have any other notes, Mike?
1: I don't. Not for this one. Um, very excited for the next couple trippy episodes.
0: Yeah.
1: Man, we're getting towards the end here. Yep.
0: So, how we like to end every episode is with a subjective, 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 subjective. (laughs)
1: like subjective, (laughs) with
0: a subjective skate. (laughs) I just said subjective skating scale. Woo! How we like to end this episode is with a subjective grading scale. Right now, uh, would you like to tell us, Mike, what is your grading scale and how did this episode work for you?
1: Yeah. So my most favorite, my current most favorite thing in Star Wars is Ben tells Luke about the larger world inside his Tatooine abode to least favorite being kind of everything about the relationship between Ray and Kylo. I would mm-hmm. give this episode a, um, a, what is it, Luke on the... Millennium Falcon after Obi-Wan has been killed. Um briefly, 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 talking about Ben. And then he can't believe he's gone. And then he's over it. He <laughs> 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 got over it so fast. <laughs> um, so fast. I would but you still needed the moment. I you know, I, I make a lot of my grading skills very connected, but you still needed it. It was just needed but you don't remember it necessarily, which is like a B moment. So this is like a B episode for me. Like, you need it. It's not a bridger. It's a breather. To be Nice. How about you?
0: My favorite thing in Star Wars right now is the video of a little girl dressed as mm-hmm. Ray at Disneyland using force to push all the bad guys away. And
1: You're the one who it. has a heart. I don't have yeah, a heart.
0: Yeah, I have a big old teddy bear heart.
1: Um, oh my God! You have a teddy bear, heart? dude. That is not good. No,
0: it's a congenitive issue.
1: You need you need a heart for things. Oh my
0: God! <laughs> I have a couple of years left.
1: Hearts are important, dude.
0: Yeah. <laughs> my least favorite thing is Ray Palpatine.
1: Mm.
0: Between those things, I give this episode Luke screaming and ugly crying in Empire. No. Mm.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> oh wow that's an amazing moment
0: yeah I know so that's an A for me like I said like I I mean the human moments work for me I thought this episode was an A if I'm being quite honest like I would have given this an A plus but I just thought to myself like it's the series needs to need somewhere to go from here and the next couple episodes are so good that I just the only reason I didn't give it an A plus is because in comparison to the next couple episodes they're so great so
1: yeah that's fair That's totally fair. Well, awesome. Well, remember, uh, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or the Gmail all at rebels, rebels pod, um, hit us up, send us a haiku. Yeah. And we will read it. We will read it on air. On air, live, radio. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And thank you so much to everyone who is listening and has told friends again. We appreciate it. We are excited to close this up strong.
1: Yeah. And remember, until next time, to be brave out there. Don't look back. Don't look back. Bye. Bye. Hey, you just look back. (laughs)